Dan, tell us about Orville Dash. Uh, Orville Dash is a country gentleman of exactly 81 years old who's lived his whole life at almost the exact center of the state of Illinois in a small farm town called Moroa. Mm. His house there looks back on cornfields and a baseball diamond. I think it's a little bit like something out of the field of dreams. Hmm. And in his day, Mr. Dash has had his struggles with drinking and smoking, but he managed to quit those both. And now in his golden age, he's retired from the nearby Caterpillar plant, and he's come up against a new problem, a problem that's eaten away tens of thousands of dollars from his once sizable nest egg. I'll tell you, I'm a recovering alcoholic, but that's 35 years ago. I am nowhere near at that point with this gambling thing. If those machines are around me, I'm going to be tempted to go in there and play. And Dan, these video gambling machines in Illinois are around a lot more in more and more places, right? Yeah, I mean, Orville Dish used to have to drive about, uh, I think, more than an hour to the nearest casino. There are only 10 casinos in the state, and the closest one to him is in Peoria. So he might go and... uh, gamble a little bit, uh, have dinner or something like that. But now that the state has legalized video gambling about 10 years ago, they've opened three places where he can use video gambling machines just in his tiny hometown of Maroa, population of about 1,700. And when we visited him down there in Maroa a while back, Mr. Desch was not optimistic about his odds of quitting this habit. I don't believe that I can control this thing. I don't believe I can ever become sober at gambling. I don't think I can. I'll spend the rest of my life trying. You know, Orville is far from the only person across Illinois who's become addicted to the state's rapidly multiplying ranks of video gambling places, which are pretty much all over the suburbs and downstate. But addiction is only one of the problems that our investigation into video gambling identified. Welcome to On Background, the WBEZ politics podcast, where each week we give you the backstory on a big story in Chicago and Illinois politics. I'm Alex Keefe, sitting in this week for Becky Vivi. A decade ago, Illinois politicians legalized video gambling in hopes of generating much-needed money for the state. But like so many stories in Illinois, this one didn't turn out to be that simple. WBEZ's Dan Mihalopoulos and ProPublica Illinois' Jason Grotto have spent months digging into why that is and what really happened. Hey, Dan. Hey, Jason. Hey. Hey, how are you? So let's start really basic. How big a deal is video gambling in Illinois, and how did it get this way? Well, it's huge. I mean, it's all over the place outside of Chicago, and we'll get back to that in a moment, but everywhere else, all over the suburbs, strip malls, bars, downstate, in a thousand communities, there are now close to 7,000 places to gamble with more than, what, 32,000 machines? 30,000. 30, so you're talking about more machines, more places to gamble than any state, including Nevada. We are literally the Vegas of the Midwest. So if you recall back in 2009, um, the country was going through the largest uh, uh, recession since the Great Depression. 
Um, and Illinois, already not a very strong state fiscally, uh, was really getting hammered. We had double-digit employment, uh, widespread uh, foreclosures, um, and you know there was the rise of the Tea Party movement. And so incumbent politicians uh, all over the country, including Illinois, were really under the gun, a lot of pressure. And so they created a program called Illinois Jobs Now. They said it would be a $31 billion building program. Never got that much in large part because the largest funding stream uh, for the capital program was video gambling. Uh, the legislature uh, predicted uh, in bond documents and other places that they would reach uh, $300 million a year uh, after the a year after the, the law had passed. In fact, it took 10 years to get to that money. And for the first three years, no revenue at all came through because they had to set up a regulatory structure and whatnot. That, of course, didn't stop them from borrowing right away. So within months of passing the Video Gambling Act, they start borrowing hundreds of millions of dollars. By the time video gambling goes live in September 2012, uh, if I remember correctly, they were up to about $2 billion that was borrowed, yet no money from video gambling had come through yet. So this is a promise that we made to try to fund initially part of a capital bill that just has not shaken out for the state of Illinois the way we thought it would. Well, I think that even when it was set up originally, right, Jason, I mean, it's in a way that uh, is not really benefiting the state and the municipality nearly to the extent that it's benefiting the industry. The industry is not taxed at the rate that it is in other states. 70% of the money is is split between what are called the terminal operators, which is the, the people that make these machines and put them out there, and the bars and uh, other uh, establishments that have them in there. So they, they split 35% each, only 25% to the state, 5% to the municipalities. So when we start looking at the budgets there for these individual towns that have allowed video gambling, you know, unlike Chicago, the thousand other towns in the state that have video gambling, this is really only a small part of their budget. At the same time that this hasn't panned out the way that people had promised. There is one group that is very clearly benefiting from this massive expansion of video gambling, and that's the industry itself. And you guys both took a trip to Las Vegas, which I think illustrates this really, really clearly. Could you just tell me how this whole thing went and exactly what you saw there? Because it's sort of like a caricature of what I imagine a trip to Las Vegas to look for the video gambling industry would be like. Well, this was back in October. They had a conference, uh, the uh, International Gaming Conference, uh, and there were people from from other countries uh, and a bunch of people from Illinois. I think both of us, uh, we'd been working on this for quite a while, and both of us, I think, got tips almost simultaneously that there was going to be a, a sort of fundraiser outside of the conference at an Italian restaurant, a, a restaurant that was actually in the movie Casino. There's a scene, <laughs> remember that Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci? Right, uh, well... In Las Vegas, there's a restaurant where there was a scene, an Italian restaurant, and that was uh, where they were going. It's called Piero's Italian Cuisine, I think. And that's where they were going to have uh, this fundraiser for Illinois politicians who were out there. So Jason and I went there, and we were not allowed in, of course, but we hung out outside after we got kicked out. We just sat out there and watched people pull up. I mean, one of the biggest uh, investors, I guess, in, vi in the video gambling industry in the state pulled up in a Bentley. And then uh, we saw this other guy that we know, too. Both of us have written about him a little bit in the past. A uh, guy by the name of Joe Berrios. Chairman Berrios. Dan Mihalopoulos from Chicago Public Media. And uh, if you don't remember, 
the political geeks uh, among our listeners will know, of course, Joe Berrios uh, was the Cook County assessor, the boss, the head of the Cook County Democratic Party. That all kind of came apart for him uh, lately, but he's uh, still doing what he was actually doing even back when the law was passed, the video gambling law was passed. He is working for the video gambling industry, and that's why he was there. We're an industry that's running strong. People are playing the games, and uh, people are enjoying the games, and we're bringing a lot of money to the state. So what does this tell us about the relationship between Illinois politicians and the video gambling industry in Illinois, you know, this little scene at this restaurant in Las Vegas? Well, I think, you know, obviously they have a lot of access. I think there were more than a dozen lawmakers who came to the dinner uh, with the Illinois Gaming Machine Operators Association. So that group, which Mr. Barrios is the lobbyist for, they're made up of terminal operators, the people that own uh, the machines and place them in bars and restaurants. And and in 2018... uh, Companies and the IGMOA, companies associated with the IGMOA, uh, donated uh, well over $200,000 to races all over the state. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, some of those many contributions were made at that event. Uh, While we were hanging out outside, we later saw them disclosed on the documents there. And, uh, you know, the politicians, will. we asked them, the ones that we were able to talk to, Berrios and and others, and Republicans as well as Democrats that we found out there, uh, we said, doesn't this mean that, that you're kind of in the pocket of the industry? Or isn't this a pretty graphic representation of that? And they said, oh, no, you know, I think Barrio said, we, 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 bring, we didn't fly them out here. They brought themselves out here. We just bought them dinner. So how has this massive expansion of video gambling in Illinois affected people like Orville Dash? We went and looked at, you know, studies all over, conducted all over the world about gambling addiction. And there's a lot of controversy over... Um, you know, how, how it happens, what does it look like, you know, and so on and so forth. What researchers all agree on, however, is that the more access to gambling options and the higher the density of those options, the larger the rates of addiction. So nationally, there's, there's an average of 2.2% of the population, uh, researchers have found generally 2.2% of the population are gambling addicts over the age of 18. That would peg the number at 217,000 uh, people in Illinois. That's larger than every city except for Chicago, I believe. Um, and so are right up there at the top. Um, but, you know, Illinois is not like most other states in the country. We have 30,000 video gambling machines spread out over 7,000 locations. We're much more like Australia or New Zealand, which also have widespread video gambling operations. And what we find there is that the rates of prevalence are much higher, almost 3%. So now you're talking about a population that's even greater, um, and, but we don't really know because the state hasn't bothered to check. Yeah, I mean, the people that I talked to at the Gamblers Anonymous meetings, I went to out in Downers Grove, uh, guys like uh, Leon, uh, who didn't want his last name used, of course, um, they've talked a lot about how just it's easier than ever to gamble and it's everywhere. And so they've been able to stay out of the casinos perhaps because there's only 10 of them. But with these video gambling establishments all over the place, it's been a bigger problem. This is Leon. Those little gambling establishments in every corner now, in every restaurant, every gas station, every parking lot, every plaza, you walk out a loser and dwelling on your whole uh, disease, which is gambling. 
So there were a lot of people dwelling on this disease at, at this Gamblers Anonymous uh, group that I found out in uh, Downers Grove and that I was allowed to, to talk to some of the members. Gamblers Anonymous is a lot like Alcoholics Anonymous. Of, of course, they uh, end their meetings with a serenity prayer and, uh, you know, basically try to, to support one another and understand one another. God, God grant me serenity to accept the things I cannot change. One thing I found really interesting in their meeting room there in Downers Grove was on the wall were the names and the addresses of two people at federal prisons. They are former members of that group that committed financial crimes to try to feed their habit. And so that was, the addresses were put at the front of the room there so that people can communicate with them if they wanted to. So you're talking about gambling, maybe video gambling in Illinois, having some pretty devastating human consequences here. At the same time, money to help addicts like this was supposed to be included when Illinois had this huge expansion of video gambling. But your investigation found it didn't happen like that. So what did happen? Well, exactly the opposite. The state now spends less on addiction services than it did before it legalized video gambling. Less money than before. Less money, we found. Um, And so, you know, when the law first passed, uh, only one lawmaker in both the House and the Senate, Representative Rosemary Mulligan, uh, back in 2009, raised the issue of addiction um, and said she would like to see more money uh, being set aside for this issue um, that she said would had long already been underfunded in Illinois. And Representative Lou Lang, uh, who's no longer in the legislature, he's now a lobbyist for the gaming industry, um, who, and he was the sponsor of the bill, um, basically said that they would increase funding to about $1.5 million a year, which still places Illinois pretty low on the rankings of, of, of money being set aside for this, but it was greater than what they had before. Well, this is one and a half million with an M. With an M, yeah, for an industry that last year brought in $1.4 billion with a B. But- you know, that we never reached that level of funding, and there's a couple reasons for it. First of all, as I said earlier, all of the money that's lost on these machines and then taxed goes to pay debt. So that meant that the only money left over to pay for both regulatory costs and the social costs, mainly addiction, um, came from licensing fees for terminal operators, establishments, and whatnot. Well, Illinois has some of the lowest licensing fees in the country. But even the money that was available, it turns out the Illinois Department of Human Services, which runs the addiction services program for gambling addiction and opioid and alcohol and everything else, didn't even spend all the money that they had. Um, so there's a lot of stigma associated with it. So when we went out and spoke with providers, the biggest thing they said is to get people in the doors, and DHS said this as well. And so what is the state doing? If you go into Missouri or 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 Michigan or some of these other states, you're going to see billboards everywhere talking about gambling addiction, dealing with it. What have we done here in Illinois? They just recently came out with a website. Dan, you seem to run into some of the issues around the stigma surrounding gambling addiction when you were talking with Leon, the guy we heard from a second ago, and you were looking into something called self-exclusion for video gambling. Can you first tell us what that is and and Leon's experience with that? Well, there's a thing called self-exclusion that's for the casino. So let's say that you are a gambling addict and you know that you have a problem. You can put yourself on a list. And the state keeps this list. There's something like 11,000 people on the list now, and they've had it for years. Uh, and so if you go to these casinos and you're on that list and they catch you there, you're going to get in trouble. They're going to take your jackpot. 
they're going to um, arrest you. And that's what happened to, to Leon. And after that happened to him, he said, well, that's quite a deterrent, you can imagine, to going back to these casinos if you might get arrested, if you might get humiliated, as he was. And so he looked into, can I self-exclude myself from these video gambling places that are everywhere? I called the corporate office. And I said, I'm a self-excluded gambler from the casinos. They're like, well, no, we don't do that. We don't have the same thing. Just don't come. I'm like, lady, tell a heroin addict not to put needles in his arm. They don't get it. So at the same time, Danny, you found that the state had explored implementing a self-exclusion program for video gambling but didn't do it. What did you find in your reporting? Yeah, in the course of our reporting, uh, we tried to look into whether the gaming board had looked into having a self-exclusion program for video gambling since it worked somewhat well, or at least was better than nothing, I guess we might say, for uh, casinos. And we put in what uh, it's called a Freedom of Information Act request for any of these documents. For several months, the state stonewalled us and wouldn't give us these documents. They acknowledged that they had repeatedly considered uh, that, but they gave us only some of those documents. They uh, would not give us other documents, and we, we got into a bit of a protracted uh, FOIA battle, as we call it, over these Freedom of Information Act request. And ultimately, after, I guess, complaining to the gaming board chairman vociferously when we got the chance to interview him, uh, a few hours after that interview, they coughed up these documents. And what did they say? Well, the documents uh, said something, I think, a little different or maybe very different from what we were being told by the gaming board. You know, the gaming board was saying it would be very difficult to have uh, self-exclusion with video gambling. The memos that their own staff were sending them repeatedly going back to 2014 said something very different. They said, we can do this, but the problem is the industry will push back. The politicians uh, will push back because they don't want to lose the money that the state and the municipalities are getting from video gambling. But they knew back then that at least they they opined in these documents that video gambling being everywhere around the state and expanding would increase uh, the prevalence of gambling addiction. And they felt they had to do something about it. And yet they did not. Let's fast forward to right now. Illinois obviously still has huge budget problems. It's still grasping for ways to solve them. Once again, gambling expansion is on the table down in Springfield. Here is Democratic Governor J.B. Pritzker during his budget speech last month. This budget also includes the legalization and taxation of sports betting. Expansion of gambling is a perennial effort in this state. And often these proposals get bogged down in regional disputes and a Christmas tree approach. But in those instances, we were talking about adding more riverboats or adding into other regions. Sports betting is different. This is a new market created by a recent U.S. Supreme Court decision. So that's Governor J.B. Pritzker saying sports betting, which is on the table now, is different than the other types of gambling we've talked about before. Jason, is it or do we have the same pitfalls here? No. First of all, it's not a new market. There's illegal sports betting going on all over the place. What we are doing is exactly what we did with video gambling, which is taking an industry that is already thriving illegally and trying to legalize and tax it. That creates all kinds of issues, both regulatory and, again, social and, and other things. In other words, there are costs associated with legalizing something that was once illegal. It's not a free enterprise. 
it, it, it costs money to do it, and it takes time for that revenue to come in. The other issue that he brought up that somehow sports gambling isn't a regional issue is also not true. Where will the sports gambling take place? If it's at the riverboats, which is what many people want, that's going to be a regional issue. The video gambling industry also wants into sports gambling. So again, all this sports gambling is is another pool of money that people can tap. So the question is, who gets to tap it? How will they tap it? How will you regulate it? And what is going to be the fallout socially from doing that? At the same time that we're talking about starting this whole new legalized avenue of gambling in Illinois, there are still the issues of video gambling that your investigation has highlighted. Is there any hope on the horizon that any of those problems will be solved anytime soon? I think on the contrary from what we're hearing in the the mayoral race in Chicago. So Chicago is um, the one place in the state, the biggest city in the state, of course, but the one place, uh, major place where there's no video gambling allowed. Mayor Emanuel, over the course of the past eight years, like Mayor Daley before him, uh, wanted a casino in one place, did not want video gambling parlors interspersed through the neighborhoods uh, for social reasons and also uh, probably for financial reasons, too. Wanted a a city-owned casino. The two candidates to succeed him right now that have made it to the runoff on April the 2nd are both saying in questionnaires with, with media, including WBZ, that they are okay with video gambling. Lori Lightfoot, who appears to be the front runner, according to the polls that we've seen so far, uh, and finished first in, in the first round of voting, uh, said that she is, quote, not opposed to video gaming as long as it is properly regulated and uh, regulators are diligent about keeping bad actors out. The other candidate in the runoff, uh, Tony Preckwinkle, the Cook County board president, uh, says that she like Lightfoot, um, is okay with video gambling as as long as they can uh, regulate it and get some money out of it. So if you open up video gambling in Chicago, the first thing that's going to happen is all around the western suburbs where all these mom-and-pop restaurants and stuff are relying on video gambling, their revenue is going to tank. The other thing that's going to happen is you're not going to be able to, f- to float a casino in Chicago because you can't have a casino and then have all of these video games. There's just not enough gambling dollars to go around. And there's just this, this irrational belief that somehow one industry, because it's supposedly, quote, new, is going to save us from financial problems that have been building for decades. Jason Grotto from ProPublica Illinois and WBEZ's Dan Mihalopoulos. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. That's it for today. Reporting for this episode came from our own Dan Mihalopoulos and ProPublica Illinois' Jason Grotto and Sandhya Kambapati. Our editor is Kate Cahan. Our producer is James Edwards. You can rate, review, subscribe, and download the On Background podcast in Apple, Pocket Casts, or wherever you listen. You can also follow all of WBEZ's political coverage at wbez.org politics and always on the air at 91.5 FM.